0: Hi, and welcome to the White Hill podcast series. Uh, My name is Roger. I'm one of the pastors here at White Hill, and we're glad that you've uh, chosen to listen to one of the podcast messages today. Our prayer is that you would be challenged and inspired to take the next steps in your journey with God as you listen to this message. Uh, If you want to keep in touch with more things that are happening at White Hill, head to our website at whitehill.church and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Enjoy this message now. So the Bible reading today comes from Matthew uh, chapter six, verses nine to 13, and it says, this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thanks, Brad. Good
1: morning. She is so great back there; it makes my job a lot easier. Hey, we are in a series called Prayer Conversation, so I hope you've been encouraged um, and challenged so far. I, I know I have. I think it's been really good already. Um, f- we had Roger preach the first one, and now we had Francois last week preach about how do we actually approach God, and we found out that that was through Jesus. So... Uh, Today we're going to continue in this prayer series, and I think um, it's important for us to, to take a bit of time to really understand and to reflect and to search the Scripture as to what prayer should look like in our lives, because I think generally prayer can be a bit of a weak point. In our discipleship to Jesus, like we have some of those prayer warriors who are just really gifted and really strong and really practiced in this, um, who are you know decades down the line in their journey of following Jesus. but I think in general, I get the sense that this can be a bit of a weak area in our lives, and for myself, as i 've journeyed through prayer and as i 've journeyed with others um, through understanding prayer i 've sort of seen a few common experiences or ways that it 's practiced that maybe fall a little bit short of what God has intended for us so I thought I'd want to just put some of these up on the screen for you and see if maybe you're experiencing one of these right now, or maybe it's something that you could relate to in the past, and then um, we can go from there. So in terms of our understanding of prayer and our practice of it, I think sometimes we can practice 911 prayer, right? It's kind of self-explanatory. It's the emergency prayer. It's all Everything's going wrong, and it's like, quick, I've got to shoot up an emergency call to God and see if he can fix my problems. Uh, Sometimes if it's like I'm running late, and I know there's six red lights between me and where I need to get to go, it's like, God, please, can I just get some green lights? Um, And it usually works. Does anyone have this experience? It usually works in the opposite way, yeah? I think the Lord, that's sort of his humor. He's like, no red all the way or maybe <laughs> maybe it's like um for me if i'm sick and like you know if you've got a bout of gastro or something like that i don't have anything don't worry um if you're there and you're like this is the worst experience of my life please god take this away and then you have that moment and you realize i think the last time i actually cried out to god was the last time i was sick and had gastro right that's sort of the 911 Prayer. The next one there is the faulty vending machine. So this is, you're pressing all the buttons, you're trying to get lots out of God, you're asking a lot of things, but nothing seems to be working. Uh, when I was younger, I was a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit, uh, trying to make some coin wherever I could. Um, maybe that's just a cheapskate, but part of that was, <laughs> part of that was I went through a phase in the shopping centers, was I realized that people actually leave coins in the vending machines. Like, I don't know if they couldn't be bothered or if they forget. So I'd run up to all of them and I'd push the little button and then hopefully some coins would fall out and eventually after a couple of weeks I'd have enough to buy something, right? But the problem was a lot of the time when I pushed it, I just looked like an idiot and then I'd leave being frustrated because now I've got, you know, somebody else's gross germs on me plus I've got no money. So that didn't really work. But sometimes we look at prayer Um, to God in this way as well. We're pushing all the buttons, we're asking for lots of things, but nothing seems to be coming out. So we just get frustrated and maybe we walk away from that and stop practicing it. Another one I've seen is uh, don't fix what ain't broke, right? So when life's going well, everything's good, I've heard people say to me before like, I don't really wanna tell God about this in case he comes and he messes it all up, right? (laughs) And that's sort of the thing, like when life's going well, everything's great, we seem to be winning in lots of areas of our life, sometimes we don't really want to pray like, God, your will be done, because it's like, actually, this, this will right now is pretty good, so please don't come and mess this up. <laughs> the next one we have here is too busy and distracted. Um, I don't know if you've had this experience uh, like me, but it's like when you start to pray, you're like, okay, I'm going to have some quiet time here. I'm going to start to pray, all of a sudden you've already planned what you're doing for the rest of the week, you've texted your friends and you've seen your entire Instagram feed and then you're like, wait, what was I doing again? Oh, that's right, I was praying. Anybody else had that experience? Yeah, exactly. We're in a constant fight of our attention um, and often we lose that fight. Our minds are dragged away um, from prayer. Uh, The next one I've got here is religious duty. Um, So this is sort of the idea that we have to pray because we're Christians, right? Right? We can't call ourselves Christians if we don't pray, and God's not going to maybe love us or protect us if we don't pray. We need to use prayer to appease the the big scary God of the universe and make sure that everybody else sees us as the most disciplined and passionate follower of Jesus ever. In this account in Matthew, if you look at the context of uh, the passage as it sits there, um, it's actually as much as a teaching on prayer as it is a rebuke on sort of that pharisaical, uh, pious, overly religious uh, practice of prayer. There were uh, Jewish leaders, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, standing on the street corners uh, praying loudly and for a long time so that everyone would see them and everyone would go, wow, you're just so great and passionate and religious. But I think Matthew in this account is um, rebuking that. And he's actually wanting us and his, as his readers to sort of assess the motivations of our own heart um, to see that our prayer life shouldn't only just be in public, but it's actually a private, intimate conversation with God. And then you can see the last one here. My creative juices may have been weaning a little bit, but unicorn prayer. <laughs> Are there any kids in the room? It doesn't exist. Like, <laughs> it's just not there. It doesn't. It's not a real thing. We just have an absent prayer life. Can anyone relate to any of those? Yes. I think we've all been in a lot of those. Um, places. Um, so today I want us maybe to discover or to rediscover what does it actually mean to pray like Jesus teaches us to pray and how do we start to do that? Matthew 6, 9 to 13, which uh, Willow just read out, is what we would commonly call the Lord's Prayer. And um, we've been looking at this the last two weeks and we're going to continue to look at it throughout the series and that's because this is Jesus' like ultimate final teaching on prayer. We can see his example and how he prayed, but we can also look to this teaching and see that this is sort of his cheat sheet, his template, his cliff notes as to how we can best have powerful prayer conversations. And if you've read the Gospels, uh, whenever Jesus is asked a question, you may notice that he annoyingly sort of answers with another question. Um, in fact, one hundred and eighty three times he's asked a question, and three times he gives a direct answer. Um, so I'm sure that would have been pretty frustrating for um, a lot of the people in those days. but When he answers those three times, I think it's pretty important to go, wow, he's actually being really overtly clear on what he wants and what he's called us to do. And of course, in Matthew, this is one of those times. The disciples have come to him, they've asked him about prayer, and then he leans into this teaching um, that he gives. So we'll look at the first couple of lines there again. Matthew 6, 9, Jesus said, then, this is how you should pray. Our Father in Heaven, so that's what we looked at last week, that understanding of who God is, that fatherly heart for us, that He wants to care, He wants to listen to us, that's who we're communicating with. But then the first line of our prayer should then be, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. That's where we're going to camp out for the rest of today. This word, hallowed, um, it literally means to make holy or to be set apart. Um, In our modern day language, Maybe the closest word we can have there is like honored or revered. Um, hallowed comes from this idea that God is to be remembered and praised for his other thanness, like he's completely separate from us. He's over all of us. He's the um, almighty, majestic, all powerful God. He's perfectly holy, he's perfectly just. He's so much greater than all of us, and he is over all things. Uh, hallowed is a verb. So Jesus is saying that every time we should open our mouths to pray, we should start in this way. We should be hallowing his name. In the sense we should be praising and exalting and adoring the name of God. We should speak praise and reverence to him. And we call this type of prayer adoration prayer, which is what we're going to look at today. So this hallowing, this exaltation of God is actually us expressing our adoration toward who He is. But the question then that I've asked, and I'm sure many of you have asked before, is why then, if God is the most powerful, He is mighty, He is the creator of all things, He could just sort of burn us up in a second if He really wanted to, why then would that type of God need us to tell Him how great He is? And I think for many this question um, is actually a barrier to coming to faith or believing in God, because they're like, well, isn't that just kind of makes God look like this big narcissist? Like he needs, like he's insecure, he needs our worship, he needs our praise, and he's going to force his creation to do that. But the truth is that this act of hallowing, of adoration, is more for our benefit than it is for his. Adoration prayer is more for our benefit than it is for his. And I want to show us why this morning in a few quick ways. Um, the first thing is adoration is going to transform our vision, and the first time I dislocated my uh, shoulder was at youth group in Melbourne, I threw this dodge dodgeball, I didn't hit who I was trying to hit, and my shoulder came out, so win-win, um, and anyways, I had about 60 seconds of adrenaline to like try and get this thing back in, so I was like, okay, we can get this back in, it's sort of like hanging down here, maybe if we just, I don't know, work it around, and I thought, who would know how to do this best? And I remembered one of my interns had been a physio um, and I thought, you know, trained health professional, I'm going to call him in and make him put it back in and then we'll be all good to go. So I called him in and I said, you're going to need to put my shoulder back in. And he said, I don't know how to do that. And I was like, you're a physio, surely you know how to do it. Can't you just try? And he's like, well, I can try, but I don't know how. I was like, how hard can it be? Just put it back in. So he grabbed my arm and he just went and just rammed it back It had no chance of going in now that I actually know how a joint works. Um, (laughs) But he did it once. It didn't work. It was the most excruciating pain. And then he's gone again for a second time. He's like, hang on, let me go again. (laughs) Bang. And then by the end of that, I was borderline passing out and had given up. Right, I thought that if I just sort of looked around me, I was going to find the solution to exactly what I needed. Fortunately, at the hospital, by the time we got there, there was an actual specialized doctor who had experience, who had the ability and actually maybe the authority to be able to put that back in in a completely different way. um, That hurt a lot less. All right, so for me, the way I see that is when we're looking around to our friends, to our families to provide things that they just can't provide, it's gonna leave us in a place of uh, emptiness, in a place of despair, in pain, in danger because we're asking from them something that they actually don't have the ability to provide for us. When we go through trials, when we need healing and provision and transformation, we need to actually look to the only person who's able to do that. And when we hallow and adore the name of God, we will form in ourselves a vision, a greater vision of who He he is, and then we're more instinctively and more habitually going to turn to Him in those times of need will form a dependence and a trust in his ability to provide for us, and also will create sort of a deep sense of uh, trust and dependence that now we can actually have a positive outlook on our lives even through the trials. You see, instead of now seeing the challenges and the struggles as uh, just imminent despair or danger or disaster, instead of seeing them as times that now we need to race around and find somebody else's help or sort of just muscle through ourselves, because we've been practicing adoration, our vision of who God is will be large enough for us then to be able to trust him and walk through those moments, knowing that he is a good and gracious and powerful God. And as I said before, the the world is not a neutral space. It's not just like you get on with you and you get on with you and everyone's sort of in harmony neutrally. It's a contested space. There's forces of opposition and many forces that oppose the kingdom of God of God, But hallowing and adoring God's name is going to help us not to just fall into the lies of these forces that oppose God, not into the false realities that were sold, but as we speak of the true reality of God, it's going to give us a greater vision and a lens now to see life and be able to move forward with hope and with peace. Tim Keller, in his um, book on prayer, he shares a story of a lady who sort of came to this realisation. She was, I think, a bit frustrated at the idea that we had to praise God first. She's like, you know, I just want to come with my list of things. And sometimes maybe that is all the energy we can muster up, is just to call on God for something. But then she said this, she said, before I would run to my prayer list, and the more I went through all my problems and needs, the more anxious and burdened I would get. Now I've started spending time thinking about how good and wise he is and how many prayers he's answered of mine. And then when I get to my own needs, now I can actually find and put them in his hands and I feel the burden coming off me rather than on me. That's a transformation of vision. From just seeing all of our issues and our problems and increasing our sense of burden and anxiety to then having a greater vision of who God is and then from that place Asking for him and trusting and knowing that he will be good to provide. If we can practice adoration prayer, we're going to cast off the burdens and the anxiety of having to trust in our own earthly wisdom and strength. So it transforms our vision. I think adoration prayer also increases our joy. I think it does this by helping us see and turn to the only true source of joy, but then also completes our enjoyment of God at the same time. And I'll explain what I mean by that. As we're living in this contested space, um, as we're searching for joy and happiness, our attention is being sold and drawn by things that just can't provide that. We shop around for whatever is offered that seems most appealing in that moment. And we search for joy in places that can only provide temporary happiness. And I think some of these places are maybe the approval of others. Maybe it's success or experiences, and we're searching for lasting joy in these places. But what we're actually doing when we do that is hallowing them. We're adoring those things in our heart above God and expecting it to provide what only God can provide for us. Adoration prayer, it helps us step out from these lies, these false realities that we're going to find that lasting joy in things of this life. it turns our eyes to God and says, no, no, that's the source of joy. That's the only place we're going to find lasting joy. Tyler Staten, a pastor in Portland, he said, Hallowed be your name is not a buttering up of God, but it's an invitation from Him to reorder the loves and affection of my heart. Hallowed be your name. It's not a buttering up of God. He doesn't need our praise. He's not a narcissist or insecure but rather it's an invitation from him to reorder the loves and affections of our hearts. And I think once we do this, then that sense of lasting joy starts to come to us because now joy is not longer, no longer reliant on a confused and unreliable world, but it's now reliant and dependent upon an everlasting, all-powerful, never-changing God. Adoration increases our joy. And I think it completes our enjoyment of God as well. I think whenever we find something that's really exciting or beautiful or great, our natural instinct is to share that, right? I mean, think of the greatest gift you've ever received and think about how you reacted. Did you sort of take that thing and hide away or did you wanna go and share that with others and also like sort of just pridefully sort of boast about it and go, look how good this is, right? My wife and I are about to get the greatest gift ever right? A little girl coming soon. And I'm not just going to hide her away. Like, I'm going to want to share her. I'm going to want other people to get to know her and complete the enjoyment of that gift. C.S. Lewis says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. Not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It's its appointed consummation. It's not out of our compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are, but the delight is actually incomplete until it's expressed. So it is with our relationship with God. We can know that He is good. We can know that He is merciful. We can know that He is all-powerful. But until we actually speak with our lips, praise and hallow His name, then I don't think our full enjoyment of Him will come to us. That's how I think adoration then Increases our joy. And also, then the last thing here is that it's a catalyst for breakthrough. I think every day we're given moments, we're given opportunities where we can step more into what God's called us to do, what He's asked us to do, and and see breakthrough in our lives, see transformation and growth. Maybe it's with our relationship to God or our relationship with others or just sort of the heart of our cities and our nation. But I think too often, at these moments these sort of threshold moments we step back and we give in because you know we're overcome with a sense of it's too difficult i'm too unprepared i'm i'm not able i'm not qualified i'm i'm tired i'm scared whatever it is it stops us from walking through these threshold moments I think in Scripture, the only man apart from Jesus who seemed to do this almost perfectly was the Apostle Paul. Paul um, prays in the New Testament. We, we see that almost every time that he prays, he starts with the praise and worship and hallowing of God's name. If we look at some of these here, there's, there's many more examples, but at the start of each of his prayers, he goes on to, to bring his confession and his request from God, but always at the start. He says, oh, the depths and the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Or 2 Corinthians, he says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. He's ascribing, he's telling God who God is. And then Ephesians 1, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You see, the Apostle Paul, was a, Apostle Paul was able to step through these threshold moments because he prayed like Jesus taught us. And it seemed to be working for him. He was a prolific church planner, disciple maker, and then goes on to write, you know, half of the New Testament. And I think for him, one of the biggest threshold moments that I just want to put before us this morning before we close is that Paul in the New Testament in Acts 16 he has this moment and you can flick there in your bibles act 16 if you'd like he's been ministering he's just cast out a demon he's he's doing his thing he's with um silas and they had been in a city and then they were dragged out of it into the marketplace because those who were opposed to his work and the work of christ didn't want him there anymore and we pick up here in act 16 20 so they brought them that's paul and silas before the magistrates. And said these men are Jews and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he had put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. This was their threshold moment. Their hands were literally and figuratively tied. The work that God had given them, they could no longer do. They were imprisoned and beaten. If there was any moment for them to give up, this was their moment, to give up, to step back. And I wonder for you if you've experienced something like this recently, hopefully not as dramatic as beating and imprisonment, but maybe there's something in your life which feels like one of these moments where you're sort of on the, the precipice of, of, should I turn back or should I push forward? Is it a dream or a goal? Is it a sense of calling? Maybe it's just a crisis of your own faith and relationship with God. You've, you've been doing the church thing, but you're not really connected well with God. Maybe it's easier just to do something else, turn your focus and attention somewhere else, I think there's always an initial excitement when we have a vision, an understanding, a calling from God, but it it quickly weans, and then all we're left with at times is fears of failure and inadequacy, and those thoughts sort of roam the, the prison hallways of our minds, and they guard you from actually stepping through these threshold moments. But I think today we can take encouragement from what happens next. Verse 25 here, it says, about midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Praying and singing, like, are they delusional? Like, they're in prison, they've been beaten, and they're praying and singing hymns to God. I can tell you what, they're probably not praying and singing hymns to God, because, you know, maybe the lights were just right, or, you know, Jeff was halfway through a beautiful drum fill, like usual, and they've got like this emotional euphoric moment, and they're just like, God, you are so great. I think they were in the the pits, they were suffering, they were bleeding, they were bruised, they were broken, they were in prison, they were in chains, and yet, amidst that circumstance, they decided, they made a conscious, intentional effort to speak who God is, to hallow His name. Because in that moment, who else do they turn to? It's only God who has the power to transform that situation. And by praising his name, then maybe their vision of what was possible could increase. Maybe they could have hope that he would come and rescue them. And he did. Verse 26. He said, Suddenly there was a violent earthquake, that the foundations of the prison were shaken, at, and once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself Because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for light, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. They intentionally moved forward, hallowing the name of Jesus. And got to witness breakthrough in that place. When we do this, we gain a new vision for what's possible. We can move forward in greater hope and peace and confidence in the nature of our God. And when we do this, maybe we too will witness breakthrough in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. Um, For me... This week has been a bit of a nightmare. It's felt like, I don't know if you ever have those weeks where it's like nothing goes to plan and it feels like everything that can go wrong goes wrong. It's kind of been uh, one of those weeks. And I was exhausted. I got to Friday um, and I got to Friday and I had worked on my message, but it definitely needed some more work and I was falling behind. Um, And I thought, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get up early. I'm gonna go to my favorite coffee shop. I'm gonna order my favorite coffee. I'm gonna sit there and I'm going to start working, and I'm going to get some work done before I head into the office. So I sat down, ordered my coffee, opened up my laptop, and then got a call almost immediately from my wife, and all I could hear on the other line was, the toilet's going to explode, the toilet's going to explode. (laughs) It's nothing that she or I had done. (laughs) And I was like, this would be it. At that point, I literally just started laughing. I was like, after the week I've had, this would be right. Now the toilet's going to explode, whatever that means. (laughs) Um, And as I came home, I saw a massive water truck on our street who was high-pressure pumping water through the sewerage lines of our street. And it had obviously, with such high pressure, had just filled up the toilet and just put sewerage water all over the bathrooms. So my lovely wife did some cleaning up before i got there and then i sort of finished off the rest and disinfected and everything but by the end of that after the week i'd had i was like this has got to be it surely i can just crash on the couch now and just give up and just pray that my message is good enough for sunday <laughs> but um we had schools ministry at 9:30. after that and that was i had to leave um i had to get going and in that moment All I really wanted to do was send a message and say, hey, interns, you guys are pretty great. Just get it done. I'll see you later. Um, But whenever I think of that opportunity of schools ministry, I can't help but praise God, right? It's like seeing that, did anyone see that rainbow this morning on the way in? Yeah, it's like you see that and you just can't help but praise God. And in my mind, as I'm thinking about that opportunity to go and actually preach the gospel and have good conversations with kids and encourage them to come to youth, it sort of motivated my heart. It gave me a new vision that, amidst the awful week that I've had, that I can pick myself up, that we can go, and we saw incredible breakthrough. I had like a really great gospel conversation with six um, young ladies there at Bremer, um, a few of them actually came to you for the first time ever on Friday after never having stepped inside a church before, which was really awesome. Um, and we saw breakthrough, and that's been a really hard ministry, um, but because that sort of vision of my heart changed in that moment to one of praise rather than just to wallow away in my sorrows of a you know what situation, <laughs> I was able to actually step through that threshold and see what God had in store for us that day. What would it look like for you to start praying? What would it look like for you to pray as Jesus teaches you to pray? And as I finish, I want to just get practical because I don't want to assume of everyone here that we're all across even what the concept of prayer is. And maybe you're in a process now in this series of sort of reforming your understanding of prayer. But I want to say prayer, is, it's a simple conversation. That's why we've called it prayer conversations, right? It's a focused stream of thought or sung word or, or written journal or whatever it may be. It's a focused, intentional stream of thought towards God. Just like you would talk to yourself, you can talk to God. Because Jesus has made it possible for us to approach Him in this way. Uh, you may want to start prayer by removing distractions. Like I've said, we're we're constantly uh, in that battle for attention. So maybe find a quiet place, turn your phones off, your TVs, um, maybe move away from people. Um, Jesus often did that. He would withdraw from the crowds and find a quiet place with the Father. Uh, For me, that's easiest done in the morning with a cup of coffee when my toilet's not exploding, um, when I can actually have a quiet space to be able to be with God and just to talk to Him without distraction. Um, It may be for you during the day. It may be while you're driving, while you're cooking, while you're weeding the garden. Um, Often this type of praise prayer, like I said, is brought on by seeing something. So you see that rainbow and you go, wow, God, you are awesome. You could have made a black and white world, but you made one of color and of beauty because that is your sense of creativity and wonder. And as I said, prayer is spoken, sung, written, thought. It's not restricted to one line of communication. It's not going to get lost in transit. God hears the cries and thoughts of our heart and wants to communicate with us in these conversations. Uh, You may hear Christians say, Dear God or Heavenly Father. Um, It's not like the address on an envelope where if you get that little bit wrong, it's not going to make it. Um, God can hear you. It's okay, but sometimes we use those lines, we address His name or His character, because it helps us focus in on who He is. You might often also hear Christians saying, you know, now you need to bow your heads and close your eyes. I promise you, you don't need to bow your heads and close your eyes for God to hear you, but sometimes putting our body in a physical posture will help uh, focus our minds, So maybe for you closing your eyes as you don't see, you know, someone doing something weird in front of you, maybe for you bowing your head is just that sense of honour and respect and reverence toward God. Some people like to kneel, some people like to sit quietly in a garden, it's completely up to you. And if you want to make adoration prayer a habit in your life, um, then you may have heard of something called habit stacking. Right, so find something that you're already doing, a habit that you're doing maybe even unconsciously, like turning the ignition in your car, and going, you know what, before I actually turn that engine on, I'm just going to sit for a few minutes and just tell God how good He is, and just re-envision for that day the God that you're working for and living from. Prayer is not to be meant to be overly complicated, and the hardest part is just to start. Where are some places you can start? You can open scripture, see who God is, and then praise him for who he is. You know, God, you are perfect. God, you are unchanging. God, you're never ending in your love and your grace for me. God, you're perfectly just. God, you are majestic. God, I honor and praise you because you're the creator and sustainer of all things. God, thank you, and I praise you for the fact that you were the source of life and that I can share in that life through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And it's as easy as that. We don't want to make prayer some overcomplicated, over-religious, over-liturgical thing that is just unachievable. Prayer is a conversation with that Heavenly Father that wants to be intimate and to get to know you. If you want to understand prayer a little bit more, we always have a prayer corner um, up in the corner of our auditorium here. Uh, They would love to pray with you or maybe even just to help you start to pray if it's something completely foreign to you. Or maybe just pray for you on this journey of trying to form more of a habit of adoration prayer. But hopefully today we can look at this example, we can thank Jesus for giving it to us and we can all move forward in hallowing the name of Christ in our lives and in these cities, Amen? amen? Amen, let me pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are. We ascribe all glory and honor and majesty unto your name. You are the God above all things. You are the God completely majestic other than set apart, holy and righteous. Your love never fails. Your kindness is unending. Your mercy is for us, not against us. God, we thank you that we can look to you as a good And righteous and great God, not one that we need to be fearful of, not one that we need to impress with our prayer life or with our religiosity, but God, we can look to you as one who loves us regardless, who is proud of us regardless, and who has made a way through Jesus to have these conversations with you to transform our lives each and every day. So I just pray for us, God, as a church and as a people, that you would help us in a city that doesn't hallow the name of Christ, that wants to adore all other things apart from you and in fact in some ways wants to oppose you, God, we want to march out of these doors today with a sense that you are the God above all things and that we can hallow your name and see real breakthrough in our lives and in this world. So would you help us to do that today? We pray this all in your precious and mighty name. Amen. We started this morning with um, a song of praise and of um, of glory unto God, and today I think we're finishing with um, a blessing. And we know that this blessing now comes from that good and great character that we have in God. So, would you stand um, and we're going to finish in song together?
0: Thank you for listening today. If you live locally here in the Ipswich region, we would love to invite you to come and join us in person uh, here at one of our Sunday gatherings at Whitehill. For more information on our services or our ministries, head on over to our website at whitehill.church. If you're interested also in taking next steps in your relationship with Jesus, please also at our website, hit the connect button and let us know where you're at. We would love to catch up with you, either over a coffee or on a phone call to chat with you about where you're at. We hope you've enjoyed watching this message. And we pray that God would continue to bless you as you seek to seek Him in your daily life. God bless.